So great to be together and worship with you and just sitting there singing and hearing all of these voices and everyone singing, singing together just reminds me of what a special time and place it is to come together on a Sunday morning to be able to be together in worship in God's house and if you're joining online, it's just great. Where else in our week can we come and just sing and just be in the presence of the transcendent? Right? Everything in the world is passing away. All the things that beat us down throughout the week, all the things that, that are heavy, to come into a place and to be able to be in the presence to just say, God, we're reminded of something bigger than, than who we are and the problems that we have. And so I just uh, love the passionate worship. I love the heart and the, the joy that's expressed here each and every week. And, and thank our band and all the tech and all those folks that work together so hard to just bring us that... That passionate worship each and every week, it is really such a gift and such a blessing to be a part of this church and to experience that. Well, uh, last Sunday I wasn't able to be with you here. I was expecting to be, but then uh, Hurricane Ian hit in Florida, and so uh, I went and helped my parents for a week, joined my sister there to do some, uh, to do some work, and, and the Saturday before last Sunday, I don't know, what, like eight, nine days ago, um, I remember just uh, asking our team and saying, hey, I think I need to go down and help my parents. I'm going to leave, uh, you know, right away, or whenever that was. I'm losing track of time. But I remember asking them and just saying, hey, can you jump in? And it was so awesome to have Noah just say, yes, I got it. I'm going to preach, right? And didn't he do a great job last week bringing us the word? We're so thankful, Noah. Um, and of course, the rest of the team in different ways, just, just picking up, and uh, we just have such a great team, such a great staff, and I'm thankful for that. Thank you for asking about how my family is doing. My parents, they are, are well. They survived the storm, and we were able to get uh, their, their home back into, uh, into livable condition and in a good, good place and space, and yet we know there's still many who are, are in the recovery mode and others that maybe you know and friends, family, others connected to the church. We want to continue to, to lift them up in prayer. Uh, for complete restoration and renewal. Speaking of renewal, see what I did there? I didn't even plan that. <laughs> we are in our new series called Renew. And uh, in case you haven't heard, maybe um, you know, you're, you're just jumping in here for the first time or online, you're joining in. We are in a season of renewal, preparing for our Renew initiative, where we're asking God to do something big in us, to renew us uh, inside and out. We're taking a 50-day spiritual journey to prepare our hearts for what God wants to do. Because I believe and I know that we all need renewal. There is no question we need renewal. If we're alive, if we're going through life, we come through continual and repeated seasons of needing to be renewed. And maybe there's some area particularly in your life that you're thinking, I need a fresh wind to blow through that. I need God to do something new in my life. I'm ready for what's next. I'm ready for the new thing. That's what we are talking about. And we're looking at our key verse, our key scripture in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. We're focusing on verse 19, but also 18. And there's such an encouraging scripture, such an encouraging word. It says, right, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Right? Don't just keep your sights looking backward and walking backwards into the future. That was good. It was great. God did some things, but forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, God is doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Right now, this is the moment where it's happening. Do you not perceive it? He's making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That is the promise. That's the encouragement that we have. And as we're asking God to renew us, we're saying, now, God, I want to see you do something new in my life, and I want to see it now. And it's God who's doing it, God who's bringing that renewal. And so each week as we're going through this series, we're looking at a different part of this verse and really leaning in and saying, how does God bring renewal? 
What is this renewal all about? We began in week one looking at just that word, see. See, I'm doing a new thing. That we would see a vision. That God would renew our vision. That we would see, God, what is it that you have for us? And the vision we put in front of you is three parts. Renewing our hearts, right? That God would do something in us and would, would begin to transform us. That we would come to life spiritually and be spiritually alive and vibrant. That he would renew our passion for the lost to remind us, what is this all for? What is this mission that God has called us on? What does it mean to be the church? If we lose sight of this, it doesn't matter what we do to our building. Renewing our hearts, renewing our passion for the lost, and then renewing our church inside and out. This amazing gift that God has given us, this ministry tool, this place of worship and growth and community and outreach. We want this to be an amazing center that God continues to use well into the future. So these are the three parts of our vision of the renew. Now leaning into that, that last part about the renewal of the church, in case you weren't here on our launch Sunday or you haven't been able to look through our, our renew um, brochure that we have out in the lobby, I want to just re go over again the, the six phases just real quick that we are looking at the renewal of this facility. In phase one, we're talking about renewing our worship center. So we want to begin right in here. The heart of our church, the place where we come together, this place that, that is a place where we want to share the good news and the hope of Jesus each and every week, we want to begin with this. And, and if we do well on our, on, our, on our commitment Sunday, when we bring those first fruit offerings, I pray that we can knock out this first phase and begin with this in the beginning of January already. New carpet, new paint, and chairs, and, and really freshen up this place and really give us a great place to come and gather and to invite our friends. The second phase is the parking lot, and we're going to do some things out there to up Update that and to fix some of those holes and to renew it and resurface it and all kinds of stuff and restripe it. And so that's coming in phase two. And phase three will be the children's center. We have a great ministry throughout the week. This isn't our children's ministry. The children's center is a children's center from birth through, through fifth grade um, that, that cares for the needs of, of students and families uh, throughout the year. And it functions each and every day. And so we want to do a renewal project there as well, the, the floors and the walls, and, and begin that process. And that phase will also include our lobby restrooms. Aren't you glad to see some renewal happening there? If you've been in there, you'll understand we want to do that. All right. Phase four will be the lobby, the cafe, the hallways, and the offices. So some of our common spaces that, that we walk through. And just give a fresh, again, look all throughout that and update those pieces. In phase five, we're going to hit some of our exterior, the stucco, the paint, the signs, some landscaping, and really finish that outward uh, you know, renewal that, that starts with the parking lot in phase two. And, and phase five will be the exterior. And then in phase six, we've got our park kids and youth areas, our next-gen areas, uh, looking at even a new, um, you know, updating our entry and check-in areas as well as just those spaces. So lots of exciting things coming up. All those projects together total $840,000. But in addition, we're also doing $5,000 per phase for a renewal project with either one of our local or global projects, uh, partners, or another opportunity that might present itself to us. And so we want to be reminded that it's not just renewal here, but renewal beyond our walls as well. And that total project together for our Renew initiative is $870,000. And so that is a significant goal. And I believe that as God moves in our hearts, as he stirs in us and, and asks us to see the vision of what he has for us, as we pray for the lost and say, God, this is for your mission that together we are going to be able to do this over these next three years. Do you believe we can do that, Meadow Park Church? We can do that. It is up to us, and I believe God is calling us to do this. We want to do this debt-free, which means as the resources come in, we will pay and do the next phase and not incur any additional debt. So it is up to us to do this, and I'm so thankful for those of you here, for those joining online, that we partner together to make this happen. So that was seeing the vision. 
the heart, the passion for the lost, the church. And last week, we talked about this phrase, um, I am doing. Noah talked about that, renewing our trust. God says, see, I want you to see, but who's doing it? We want God to do it. We don't just want to do it through our own strength. We want to trust that God is the one who's going to guide us. He's going to lead us. He's going to give us the resources to do that. He's going to, he's going to provide for us. We want to trust God. And this week, I want to move to part three, looking at this next phrase, a new thing. What's God doing? I'm doing a new thing. And this is where I want to look at this renewal of the heart, one of our key focuses of this Renew initiative. How does renewal of the heart happen? What does God want to do? Because I believe, as I said at the beginning, that we're all longing for some area of renewal. I mean, we're coming up and we're getting closer to New Year's uh, resolution time. <laughs> we're a little early on that. But you know what? When it comes to that time of the year, you start thinking about, like, what are all the things you want to do different? And maybe you think about that even in the course of your, your, your life as you're moving along. I, I kind of hit a milestone uh, marker yesterday. I turned 50 years old, a half a century old. I don't even know how that's possible, but I am there. Thank you for those of you who have welcomed me into the 50 Club. I feel, I feel very privileged, and AARP also is very happy to, to welcome me in as well. But it's a moment in time where there's some reevaluation. I often do that at year end, but also thinking at 50, what? What happens next? What do I want for the next 50 years? Is it more of what was before? And, and God, what are you calling me to? And what are you saying? What do you want to do through me? And, and what changes do I need to make in my life? I think we all come to points where we go, God, what would you do? Maybe it's some of those like, you know, basic things we all think about. God, help me do better in my finances, right? The New Year's resolutions. I want to exercise more, right? I want to eat better. I want to read more books. We think about different goals like that. But I believe that God wants to bring a deeper renewal, that there's something he wants to do in us spiritually where we're saying, God, I want to be more alive. I want to be more awake. I want to be more receptive to what you want to do. And I wonder what it would be like to be free in, in worship. I wonder what it would be like to just dive into your word and to feel that presence with you, to be on mission with you, to be, to be in a place where, where things are, maybe, uh, maybe I put myself in a position where I'm really risking something for you. And it, and, it, and it kind of gives me the butterflies, and it makes me a little anxious and nervous, but I need that courage. When was the last time you felt that newness in your heart? Maybe you don't even know Christ yet. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him yet, and you wonder, what can be alive in me spiritually? I don't know what it even means to be alive spiritually, but I know what it means to be dead. I just don't feel it. I don't, I'm not alive. I, I, something, God, you got to do something in me. We hunger for more. We all want and need renewal. But here's the challenge, and here's the problem. For God to do a new thing, we have to let go of the old thing. This is the hard part. For God to do a new thing, we have to let go of the old thing. It even begins that way in the verse, right? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. If I'm going to do something new, you can't continue to keep holding on to the past and walking backwards into the future and ask, expecting me to do something big. You've got to let go, honor it, recognize it, celebrate it, mourn it if it's bad, whatever. But don't live there. I want to do a new thing. And see, the problem is we have a hard time letting go of the past. Ironically, even if it's good or if it's bad, sometimes we, we just get stuck there, either as victims or as former has-beens. The glory days were back then, or maybe that's just been defining for my life. And God's saying, I want to do something new. We have this odd love-hate relationship with old and new. I think we, if I say, do you want something new, all of us kind of go, yeah, we want something new. Love a new car, a new TV, a new phone, a new laptop, new technology, new clothes, right? We like the new. We, we love that. But then 
Has this ever happened to you? You get some of that new technology and you kind of hate it? And you want your old phone back? And you want your old car back? You got a new Lazy Boy, but the new Lazy Boy doesn't fit your butt like the old one did, right? The cushions aren't quite the same. You got these nice new jeans, but they just don't feel as comfortable as those old, worn-out jeans. And so we have this weird tension. It's like we want the new, but the old can sometimes keep us there. It holds us back. And if we don't make room for the, for the new, if we don't clear out the old, we can't receive the new. As I mentioned, I was down in Florida for the hurricane um, cleanup at my, my parents' place. And again, there's trees and debris and all that. We were doing that, and we thought the inside of their house was, was okay until we realized that there was more water damage than we could even realize on the surface. Because uh, the back of their house faced the direction of the strongest winds when the hurricane first came through, and they've got lots of patio doors to each of their rooms and all facing the back. And when winds are driving at 140 to 190 miles an hour for hours and hours and hours, with driving rain, which normally comes this way but now is going this way, it gets into everything. And it went under the, under the patio doors for hours. And so water just flooded in. And we had to pull, you know, we had to take everything out. We had to lift the carpets. We had to cut out the padding. We had to dry all that stuff out. And in one of the rooms, again, we took all the furniture out, everything out. It was just this reminder that, 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 that in order for us to do the next thing, sometimes to take that next step, you have to just go through. You have to clean out. You have to get rid of the old. You have to take everything out. And then we had the opportunity to go, all right, now what do we want to put back in? What is it that we want to do? How do we want this to look different? How do we want this to feel different? And we were able to reset, for example, one of those, one of those rooms. But it's just an example that, that we're, the hard work, and sometimes we're forced into a situation that, that calls us to, to do some housekeeping to do some, some, some cleaning of the heart, say, God, I want a fresh beginning. I want you to do something new. But even as I experience with my parents, as I do in my own life, sometimes it's hard to get rid of stuff, isn't it? <laughs> right? And it's hard to change our ways. At, 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 the, at the office now here at work with some of my younger uh, colleagues here at the, at the church, um, they're, they're 100% digital, and I'm still like kind of 50% digital, 50% analog. You know what I'm talking about, anyone? All right? I still like... Paper? You guys like paper? You know, you like to put pen to paper sometimes, just to feel the pen, writing in your own handwriting, making notes. I like to read a book, like in paper. Um, I like to like edit stuff. If I see something I want to look at, I want to hold it. And I like digital stuff too, but some of these guys here, like I'll give them a piece of paper, and first thing Tim does is he grabs his camera, and he's like, takes a picture of it, and he's like, you know, next, done, digital, right? <laughs> The other day he came into my office and he was like, hey, I wanted to share some stuff we got coming up in the student ministry program. Here, I printed it out for you. I know you like paper. So there we go. I'm working. I'm working. out. See, we all have things we have to work on. <laughs> it's hard to let go of the former things. It's hard to let go of the old and to move in the new. And, and we have to grow in that if we want to go in that direction. But when we talk spiritually, it's much harder than that, isn't it? Spiritually, it's much harder than that because you know what has a really strong hold on us and fills a lot of space? Sin. Sin. The dark side of life, the dark side of things that we experience privately, personally, and, and don't usually showcase around in public, those things, they take a place in our lives and they're hard to let go of. And it's kind of crazy. Why would it be hard to let go of these things? They're not good for us. They harm us. They hurt us. Why do we continue to hold on? Why can't we kick the habit? Why can't we get rid of the addiction? Why do we continue to go back to that and take that and drink that and look at that and do that? It's not good for us. Why is it holding on to that? These things. 
in our lives, they have that hold, that old, that past. We hate it. We hate how we feel. It's negative impact on us and the world around us, and yet it has a drawing power. We want the new, but we can't let go of the old. And I wonder if we feel like Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, verse 2. He said, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Now, he's not writing to like, people who don't know Christ. He's writing to people who have made a decision to follow Christ, who've given their life to him, who've said we want to follow you, we want what's new in our lives, and yet we've died to it, we know it, and yet how can we continue to live in it? And let's just acknowledge this is a tough reality. It's part of our humanness, our sinful nature. I think we're lying if we just say, oh, I have no problem with any of the stuff in the past. I never struggle with anything. We all do. And yet it's a process of growth. It's not an excuse to stay there. We want the new thing. We want to grow in the new direction. But the old ways have a powerful pull on us. You know, maybe, you know, I see it again at the, in the new year especially, right? I'm going to go to church every single Sunday. I'm going to make it a priority in my life. It's time to make a new habit. And after week one, going to church, and then week two, we know how comfortable that pillow is, right? How warm the bed is. I was out a little late on Saturday night. It'd be nice to sleep in. I've got some other plans on Sunday, and so it goes, and pretty soon your desire to do and change that and put that a priority now slips away, and all of a sudden weeks have passed, and now it's just easier to continue to follow in that direction. You want to read your Bible every day. How many of you have ever thought, I want to read my Bible every single day? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the Bible in a year. I only got through like day one of Bible in a year. That's a lot of Bible reading, and I'm a pastor, okay? Um, so good for you. But sometimes I have that desire. Like, I mean, I showed it. I was kind of embarrassed, but I showed it. To, I don't remember who I showed it to, but I took a picture on the Bible reading app plan that we have on the Bible app, and I downloaded the Bible in a year app, and then it says completed day one of 365. And that was like in December I looked at it. I'm like, all right, I'm a little behind. i got to catch up on that. Right? We want to do that. It should only be 10, 15 minutes a day. It's so little, and we want to do that. And yet we have no problem watching a three- or four-hour football game. Binge-watching eight series of Netflix, no problem at all, right? Just watching through episode after episode. What is it that that pull is? We want something new, but we don't make room for it. God, I want to put you first in my finances. I really do want to honor you. Yes, that tithe. Yes, you're putting you first. I'm going to do that. And the next thing we know, the month ends, and we've spent it all on everything else, and there's nothing left over, and man, maybe I really can't do it. We live defeated, and we wonder, God, why can't you do the new thing? I can't seem to break the old, the patterns of those things that are going on. For God to do a new thing, we have to get rid of the old thing. We have to create space for that. Jesus understood this dilemma. This is not a new dilemma for us. This dilemma has been around for a long time, and he addressed it in a very real context. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, into the, to Israel, into that, that time period, he came, and there were the religious leaders of the day the temple culture, the temple religion, and there was a way of doing things. There was a way that you experienced faith, and there was a lot of legalism and piety and doing the things in the right way and a lot of works-based type of faith. If you do the right things, God will come and he will bless you. And so there was this desire for perfection, this desire for righteousness. And then Jesus showed up, and he begins to show a different way. He's saying, you know what? It's about grace. It's about mercy, it's about forgiveness, undeserved favor. It's about salvation. It's about freedom. And he shared these things and he brought these things. And you know how the religious folks received that? They wanted to kill him. Crazy. 
strange. Here's a new way. Here's a new way offered forward, but, but, but it was so hard to let go of the old way, the former way, the things that we used to do, the way that we understand it, and to not allow ourselves to grow in that way. And so Jesus had something that he shared with him, an example or two. And I want to read that from you here in Mark chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. So he says, this is what it's like. He says, besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. We're in a different culture, and maybe these examples wouldn't be the first ones Jesus would use for us, but we wouldn't say, you know, I don't know how many of us are, are mending our garments with patches, right? For the most part, something finally wears out. Well, first it becomes cool, and then it comes to the point where it's like you can't wear it anymore, and then you throw it out, and you get something else. But back in the day, you used to mend your garments. Garments were expensive. Clothing was, was hard to come by, linens and fabrics. And so when you had a garment, you washed it, you wore it, and as it does today, you put it in the, you know, when you wash and dry it, it begins to shrink, and eventually it kind of gets its size. Clothes would wear out, and the idea was you're going to patch it, put a patch on it. And as a common example in everyday life, Jesus said, you wouldn't take a, a new patch of cloth and put it on the old garment. We'd go, why not? I mean, well... Like you said, you'd put it on, and then when you washed it, that new patch would shrink, and it would tear a hole, leaving an even bigger one. Jesus, okay, that's great. Thanks for the lesson in, uh, you know, in, in fashion and, and fabricating clothing. But then you use the other example, right? The, the wine and the wineskins. What are you trying to say? Well, when you would have wine, you would pour it into a new wineskin, like it was often made of, of goat, goat leather, or maybe goat bladder, I don't know, something that stretches, probably leather. And, and so you'd pour the wine into it, and then you'd seal it. And as wine is prone to do, you have to let it sit for a while. It would ferment, and as it fermented, it would expand. And so thankfully, a pliable um, you know, wineskin would allow the, the, you know, to stretch with the fermentation, and eventually it would reach its size and, and dry, and now it was a great container for the wine. Then you would serve the wine, you'd pour it out and use it and, and drink it, and then you'd have this empty wineskin. And if you want to be frugal and you want to save, you might think, all right, let's pour, I've got wineskin, let's pour the new wine, I've got some more wine, let's pour it in the old wineskin. He says, you can't do that because you pour it into that old wineskin and seal it up. The new wine, what happens? It begins to ferment. It begins to expand. And what happens to the, the, the wineskin that has no more room to expand? Boom, it explodes. And now you've lost the wine and the wineskin. You've lost the patch and the garment. It's all for nothing. What is Jesus trying to say? A couple things here. The first thing Jesus is trying to say is it's a new day. It's a new day. There's something new happening. I am doing a new thing. Do you see it? And Jesus is, is not just saying he's doing a new thing. He is the new thing. Jesus is the very thing. It's not just what Jesus can do. It's he is the one. Jesus said, I am the life, right? I am the resurrection. This is who he is, the resurrection and the life. He's the promised Messiah. He is the son of God. And so he's saying, now as I enter this, this life, enter this world, there's a new way going forward. And just as he asked in the Old Testament, do you not perceive it? There's a different path. There's a different way forward. And I'm going to restore what's broken. I'm going to restore fallen creation, but I'm getting ready to do something completely new. And so here's the second part. You can't blend the old with the new. Old and new, Jesus is saying here in this context, cannot coexist. You can't just add Jesus to the old way of doing things. 
I think if Jesus were to retell the, the, this example today, he might walk among us today and he might say, you know, um, it's kind of like this. Uh, you can't download new software onto old hardware. I mean, it comes a point where you, can, you can't keep upgrading, right, your iOS system on your phone and you still have an iPhone 4. If you're trying to use an iPhone 4 right now and we're up to iPhone 14, what would happen, technology experts? Okay, you don't know. It wouldn't work. <laughs> It'd be frozen up. It couldn't handle the new system that's been put on. You have to upgrade. You have to update. You have to have a new way to be able to contain the goodness of what's to come. And Jesus is saying, that's how he is. You can't just blend the old and the new. Otherwise, you'll ruin both. What good is it if you have this old laptop and then this new thing, but the thing crashed? There's a new way of doing things, a new way going forward. You can't blend the old with the new. But let me say it a little bit stronger. Stop treating Jesus as a patch on your old life. Jesus isn't a patch. He's a whole new garment. I think this is the problem that we have. We all want a patch. We all want a quick fix. Google, do it yourself, right? What's the answer? I just need a quick fix. How do I get out of the bind that I'm in? Well, how do I get out of the struggle? Oh, I need Jesus. Let me just go to church. Things are going bad. I don't need to go to church. I'm going to pray real quick. I just need a patch. Jesus is saying, I don't want to be a patch on your life. As a matter of fact, if you're going to have Jesus be a patch on your life, he's going to destroy your life. Because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't function that way. It, you can't both have just a little bit of Jesus and the rest of your life. He's looking for you to be fully sold out, fully surrendered, not to some kind of hybrid Christianity, a little bit of culture, a little bit of Buddhism on the side, a little bit of New Age, a little bit of just, you know, science that I just think has nothing to do with the Bible or whatever, and I'm just going to blend it all together. A little bit of politics. It doesn't work. Jesus is saying you can't function in that way. I see a lot of karma Christianity in our world today. Did you know that's not actually Christianity? <laughs> Karma. You know, if you put the good out there, the good comes back. A lot of works based. I'm doing good, it'll flow back to me. Now, yeah, blessings come back, things work. That's not how it works. You may actually have to just plain out suffer as a follower of Jesus. You may have cancer. You may get a divorce. You may struggle. You may have challenges. And you can have Jesus, and it's not that those things are going to go away. Jesus had Jesus, and what happened to him? <laughs> The cross. But what happened after the cross was resurrection. Right? You have to go through the difficulty, through the challenges. And it's not just this nice, neat little, just want to be happy and sing kumbaya. It's about going through the difficulties of life with Jesus on your side. He doesn't just want to be a patch. He's the whole new garment. He had some strong words for the religious leaders of the day. In Mark chapter 7, we read about, he says, You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The lips, that's the external. Say the right things, do the right things. But Jesus says, I, I want to go a little further. You know what I want? I, I want the hearts to be in the right place. That's why this Renew Initiative is about renewing our hearts, for God to do something new in us. We don't just want to whitewash the church and say, look at this pretty church that we have, and then there's no spiritual life on the inside. That would be ridiculous. We want to take what God is doing in our hearts here. We want to grow that. We want to strengthen that passion for our hearts, the passion for the lost. Jesus understands it's a matter of the heart. But once again, we run into a problem here. The problem is we can't renew our hearts. That's the bad news for you this morning. 
You can't renew your heart. You can't do it. Good luck. Try as you may. Try every self-help book. Read everything you have out there. Explore every new age in astrology and palm reading and, and far east. Just, just pursue it all. You're not going to renew your heart. But here's the, the hope. But Jesus can. This is why we need Christ. This is why our faith is centered in Christ. It's all about Jesus because we can't renew our hearts on our own. We need him to bring that renewal. And this is a spiritual mystery that God does bring renewal. He does give you a new heart. He can do it. Read about this in Ezekiel 36. And he says, and I will give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new heart. And here you go. Here's a brand new heart. But here's the thing. And I will put a new spirit in you. But I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender and responsive heart. God wants to bring that transformation. He wants to bring that renewal. And he's asking for us how? To surrender to him. Say, God, here's the old. Here's the thing that's not working. Here's what's broken. That's a pretty good deal. God, take this. I surrendered. I give it to you. Total surrender. And it's this little word, faith. It's not about you working harder. It's not about you cleaning up your life. It's not about you getting your act together in every area of your life. It's about starting and saying, God, I simply have faith. I have trust in you. Like last week we talked about, I am doing. God is the one who's doing it. And in that moment, that renewal happens, and he says, I'm going to take out this stubborn, hard heart. I'm going to take it out, and I'm going to give you a new heart, a new spirit that's open, that's tender, that's receptive. And what we're doing is we're taking our old life, and we're, 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 we're aligning it with Christ. We're now saying, my life is found in Christ. We read about this in Galatians 2.20. It says, my old life has been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Do you see this renewal? It's not just a self-improvement thing. It's not just a self-help thing. It's a transformation at our deepest, inmost level. That we go from, from, from being people who are trying to figure out to just say to God, here, I surrender to you in faith, and now we watch God begin to transform and change us. And we've seen it over and over and again. An author, Neil Donald Walsh, wrote, wrote this about, about the old and the new. He says, yearning for a new way will not produce it. So just yearning for it won't produce it. Only ending the old way by itself can't do that. You cannot hold on to the old. All the while declaring that you want something new. Old will defy the new. Old will deny the new. Old will decry the new. It says there is only one way to bring in the new. You must make room for it. How do we make room for that? It's where, we, it's where we open our hearts to what God wants to do. It's where we open our hearts to say, Jesus, here's my life. Here's my past. Here's my present. Here's my future. God, I'm going to make room for it for you. God, here's my church. Here's my friends. Here's my job. Here's my career. God, I want to open it up for you to do something new in there. Repentance is the way that we make room. Repentance is the way that we say, now, God, we're turning away from that. We're turning towards you, and we simply fall on your grace. We fall on you to, to, to bring the newness about. Believe, Jesus, in who you are. I believe in the resurrection. And isn't that the whole story of the resurrection? When we say, I'm making all things new, that's the resurrection. Jesus is in the business of taking dead things and making them new, taking the impossible and bringing resurrection out of it, rolling stones away, calling people out and saying, there's a new life for you. Why do you continue to walk in the old? God wants to do a new thing. 
as he told Nicodemus, one of the religious leaders who was just curious and, and really saw something in Jesus, he said, you must be born again. We're talking about being made new, right? You can't be made much more new than a born again, <laughs> a born new baby, right? A new believer, there's a new spiritual life that begins, and from that point on, there's a new journey, and it happens just like that. It's a new, a new day. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We can't renew our hearts on our own, but we can make room for God to transform us. And then there's a new life that begins. Faith is making room. Maybe today. Today is your day of salvation where you just say, Jesus, I want that transformation. I want that renewal. I want to open my heart to what you want to do in my life. I surrender my sin, my pain, my past. I believe you are the son of God and you want to give me new life because you conquered death. You are resurrected in that moment. It's hard for words to describe what takes place inside of us is that seed gets planted and new life begins to emerge. When we celebrate baptism, Kyle mentioned we're, we're having baptisms on on Celebration Sunday on November 20th. That's the day where we celebrate. When, when, when those who are being baptized wear those shirts, all in. I, I've surrendered it all to Jesus. I'm all in for Jesus. He's transformed me. I'm dying to the old. I'm being raised to the new life. This is an opportunity. That's why we celebrate. We get out the party whistles. We have a party here because that's what it's all about. That God is doing a new thing. Don't just be an observer to the new thing. Be a part of it. Let God do that in your life too. Maybe your next step is baptism. A step of faith and that step of baptism to say, I want to take that step. Let us know that you are ready for that or have questions about it. We would love and be honored to talk to you about that. But I also want to just say this. Change and renewal is constant. It's not a one-time thing. Many of us here might be saying, oh, I did that. Oh, Jack, salvation, gave my heart to Jesus. I'm living for him. I'm a follower of Jesus. And then we get stuck. And then we get back to the old wineskins. And our, oh, our garment gets old, and we're trying to patch Jesus on, and we're struggling with taking the, that next step. And we're stuck in our old ways of doing things, an old way of thinking, and what's done in the past, or how we've, it's worked for us before. And we're not receiving fresh revelation from Jesus through his word the new wine that's being poured out into us. We need to make room for that. I love the way the Bible ends in Revelation 21.5 at the end of the book. Jesus says, look, I am making everything new. He's still making things new at the end of the Bible. <laughs> it wasn't just one time because that's the renewal. It's an ongoing renewal that Jesus offers us. It's not just a one-time thing. And so if we've been followers of Jesus for a while, we need to ask God to make our hearts open and malleable and pliable and say, God, don't let me just close off to the new thing you're doing. Let me be a part of what's fresh and what's new. And we can be as young in our spiritual heart as, any, as we ever were because God wants to continue to bring that renewal. And when I think about our church, and I think about this passion to renew our hearts and our passion for the lost. Man, I, 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 that's why I started this morning just as I was hearing the worship, just I feel the joy. I feel the power in what you're doing and how we're singing and coming together that God is working, God is renewing. And I want more of that. And I don't just want it for us. I want it for other people. That's why out in the lobby, I don't, we didn't have a name for it. I'm just going to call it the tree of life. <laughs> you see the little plexiglass thing there that has the, uh, the part of our, it you know, has, a, has a tree symbol on it with leaves. 
and says, who are you praying for to know Jesus? Just go up there and, and write right on it. You can take one of those other leaves as, at home as a reminder for you to be praying. But just go and look. I mean, all those names that are on there, these are people who need renewal, who need to come to life in Christ. And we have the opportunity to be a part of that, to walk alongside them, to pray for them, to love them, to show them, to invite them into community. And for, for God to bring renewal through us to others. That's what he's called us to do. To be alive, to be awake in worship, to be alive in his word, to, 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 to pray, to fast together. This season is why we are doing that. And I believe God is working. God is moving. I can see it. I can feel it. And I'm excited for what it means for us for the future. We can't lose sight of what God is asking us to do for others. Renewing our hearts. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're not sure about Jesus at all. Maybe you're curious. Maybe you've seen Jesus as a patch during your life, as something to add on. And maybe it's time to say, I'm going to take a full surrender. What, what's hard for you to let go of? Where do you need to say, God, I, I surrender this. I open myself to you. Come and lead me into the new. Give me a new heart. And maybe we've been following Jesus for a long time and you just need God to blow a fresh wind of his spirit through you. Say, God, I'm ready for what's next. I don't care if I'm 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. God, I want to be as alive and vibrant for you as ever. Do something fresh and new in my life. Where do you need to make room in your heart? Let's pray. Father, we're just going to take a few moments here to reflect to do some soul searching, God. To do a little bit of heart inventory right now. What are you struggling to let go of? What keeps pulling you back? What keeps drawing you back from experiencing what God has for you? Just invite Jesus into that very space, into that place. Maybe this morning, this is the day where you're saying, I want a new beginning. I want a new day. I want a new heart. God, I can't do it on my own. I'm tired of trying on my own. Lord, here is my life. I lay it down at your feet. Come and fill me with your spirit. I need you, Jesus. And watch how Jesus will honor that. And that seed of new life will be planted in your life and will grow from that point. Maybe you've been a follower of Christ for a long time. Where does God need to blow a fresh wind of his spirit into your heart? Where does he need to soften the part that's been growing hard? Just to restore that place. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this place, this place of sanctuary, this place of surrender to you, a place where we can come and encounter you. We know your spirit blows where it will. And, and God, we know when two or three are gathered in your name, you are there. And so we know that you are here with us today. Father, help us to take another step with you, to experience new life, heart transformation. For anyone taking a new step in faith for the first time, God, we celebrate that today. We encourage that. And we just know it's, one of the, it's the best thing, God, that anyone can do. Father, thank you for a church over the years that has continued to learn to move and step with your spirit.
to take a hold of the new and to, to be open, God, to where you're leading. We thank you for this place. And Father, would you continue to bring us to life that we could shed the grave clothes, that we could walk in new freedom, and that we could live in resurrection with you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.